Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 118 of the Grand Prix Show for mid-season team driver review coverage. I'm Robin Warner. And, and I'm Jim Lau. What did you just say? Oh, I, I said I'm I'm Robin Warner. My name is No, No, I mean, but before that. Uh... Mid-season review. We're doing no, no, no. no, no. We're doing the drivers. No, we're going to compare the drivers, the team. Yeah, no, the, no. I get that. It was before, before that. The before I I had said hi to everybody. Yeah. I said, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grand Prix. Show. Oh, 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 that the Grand Prix show. That's yes, a bit. I'm confused about that. I thought this was the F1 show. Did I tell you? So, you know, you know about mail, right? That yeah. doesn't come on your computer? No, I, what, not on the computer? Yeah, I got mail that didn't come on my computer from a lawyer. That's usually bad. Yeah. And uh, he said that uh, uh, he said that he thought the Grand Prix show was a great name. And so I took his advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so those of us that have... Uh, been on the facebook page i've seen we uh made a little announcement there we are uh formerly the f1 show currently the grand prix show which is going to be the subset of something new and big and exciting that jim and i are doing called uh fun with cars pretty self-explanatory name really we think and the core of fun with cars is going to be the grand prix show which is as far as we know Legal, <laughs> so <laughs> right, not quite so encumbered with trademarks, and most importantly, the same show you've come to know and love over the past 117 episodes. Right, absolutely. If not better, absolutely. And I should say, actually, legal isn't the right word. We still firmly believe that uh, F1 show was plenty legal, but we, um, neither of us, have law degrees, and uh, we both have day jobs, and we both have. Uh, lives that we want to just maintain right <laughs> so, so in, in the course of this whole thing so basically we had to change the name because it had f1 in it and f1 is now a registered trademark of formula one group licensing incorporated blah 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 something yeah and uh so you know we, we thought about fighting it going a bunch of different ways and uh basically you know the bottom line is you know that's not what you and i are, are great at um no. so rather than spend a whole bunch of time doing that we'd, we'd rather just okay you know what let's that be that as it may, we'll change the name of the show and we'll focus on doing new cool stuff that we are hopefully great at and uh, can, you know, just kind of expand what we've always talked about doing online and uh, obviously keep the F1 show going in, in spirit as the Grand Prix show as part of Fun With Cars. But basically that expands open uh, all the other cool stuff that we've talked about. You know, we've done Le Mans coverage a little bit in the past and we've done some different things, but exactly we have a, a race car of our own, which we've mentioned a little bit on the show, but to be able to sort of have that umbrella group of fun with cars of all the different things that we do uh you know your job working with cars now and being you know being fun and interesting yes and yes. uh and and mine as well and you know some different capacities so um I, i'm you know first was pretty frustrated by the whole thing but I'm, i think now actually more excited about all the new cool stuff that we'll be able to do that didn't quite make sense to do as part of the f1 show so hang with us and uh in, enjoy the grand prix show as it's always been but also you know be sure and visit funwithcars.net uh, which is where you'll you'll get to if you punch in f1show.com anyway. Right. Um, but uh, that's the, the new website for everything, and the Grand Prix show stuff will all live there. And basically, it's going to be amazing. Right. I mean, it's still us. We're not we're not changing who we are. We're just we're we decided. You know, we looked at this and just like Jim described, it was like, well, this could be an opportunity because we have interest 
beyond Formula One. Formula One is hugely important to both of us. But we like, we like sharing what we do, and uh, this is a way, we think, to share what we do uh, in a way that makes more sense uh, to everyone as opposed to trying to wrap um, you know, us getting – when we get opportunities to take cool cars out on racetracks, you know, if we want to post that fast lap or something like that, that's not really an F1 thing, for example. Or our Lemons team that we've put together that's been kind of behind – you know, kind of something we've kept private up until now. That's not really a Formula One thing. So these are the type of things that we think and want to share with people, and that's where uh, Fun with Cars is going to expand. But the Grand, the Grand Prix show, part of Fun with Cars, is going to be very, very familiar to um, F1 show loyalists. That's right. And as we've done for the last couple of years uh, in the mid-season break, uh, obviously you haven't heard uh, from us as, as uh, on the show since July, uh, is that we like to go through and sort of just take stock of where everything sits now um, before it's not quite the halfway point of the season that was a race ago, but um, basically in the middle of the season, uh, just kind of see where everything's at, and uh, I think basically we'll get you know onward with uh, with the show talking about Grand Prix driving as part of the Formula One series. I think we're still allowed to say the words, right? I mean, we're not going to get sued for saying Formula One or F1 on the show. Not certain about that. Okay, well, if we were to describe open wheel race cars, which are built for road course use and to traditional a, European to a, Formula to a racing specific specification that would be referred to by a number. Less than a value of two. Yeah, I think it's we more can of like a, call it that. it's 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 a type of car where the wheels um, are not enclosed by fenders. You know, there's maybe some things like wings. Wings, careful, careful there. That's, yeah, you know, that's like a Red Bull thing. Oh shoot! Yeah. Can you say Red Bull? No. Ooh. bovine. Uh, Rouge, Rouge bovine. Yeah. Inverted. So yeah, we'll keep the show. <laughs> We're doing the show. You know what? Yeah. But, but the name is what it is. Yeah. Uh, the man, the man wins that round, but. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. we're 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 coming back and better than ever. And back to a a, a a subject that we've had a lot of fun with in the past, and that is comparing the drivers within each team, all the way through the lineup, HRT through on to Red Bull. And spoiler alert! Oh, I mean, Red Bull's in first, but we wouldn't, you know we didn't want to say that Dang. yet. I mean, people may not realize that anyway because we've always talked about right. You know, who's the better driver? You know, is Alonso the best driver ever? Or is Hamilton or whatever? And oh, what if this guy were in that car? So the closest we can do is compare who's better than the other guy who essentially has the same car. And of course, there's there's luck and there's time, you know mechanical failures and some different things. But that's all kind of part of the deal. So uh, we'll start at the bottom uh, with the current. Uh, 2012 standings as of right now with zero points on the board so far and in their three-year history or two-and-a-half-year history, HRT Cosworth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's they're, they're, And they're the hardest ones even within the team to really judge because the car is so far behind. You don't, you don't see them as much in the coverage. Um, you don't hear about them as much. They're not interviewed as often. They didn't qualify at all for the first round, right? You know, <laughs> so and it's hard to it's hard to really judge. It's like, well, what was the car doing that day? Did someone have a bad car? Do they have a bad part of the car? But that being said, we're going to go with the information we have. And Charles Peak is a rookie and drives from Marussia, not HRT. So let's oh shoot, talk I'm about so sorry, Pedro and Narain. Pedro, I'm one team ahead. Okay, this one's pretty straightforward. Uh, Karth Kane's a great guy, right? I mean, yeah, we hate, but 
he just he's what he brings value wise to the table is money and he brings and sort of publicity especially in his home country of india for right. the india grand prix and all the, the tie-ins there and i'm certain that narain karthikeyan is a phenomenally good driver i'm sure he's a fantastic driver and that he would be very very competitive in very many different races and he would be more competitive in a better formula one car however we've seen him in a few different formula one cars and he's never shown well and he's it is definitely still true um with Pedro De La Rosa here, um, we have several metrics that we're going to look at. Um, we look at qualifying, the difference in qualifying time that they've had. Well, so, so, so first of all, who was ahead in qualifying, who but was also ahead by how qualifying. far. By how far, and this is summed up over every race. So after 11 races, um, overall, it has taken uh, Narain Karthikeyan 8.7 seconds more to put to qualify than uh, Pedro De La Rosa. Um, qualifying positions. Overall, if you look at all uh, 11 races, Narain Karthikeyan has started 17 positions back compared to uh, Pedro De La Rosa. Out of the 11 times they've qualified, Pedro De La Rosa has out-qualified Narain Karthikeyan 10 out of those 11 times. Out of racing fast laps, this is a lot closer, but... Uh, uh, over, the sum of all the Pedro De La, Rosa, De La Rosa's fast slap are faster than Narain Karthikeyan's. Um, however, um, there have been a couple of times where Narain was faster than uh, um, than uh, Pedro De La Rosa. Points earned delta? Well, there isn't a delta because yes, but zero they both on the board for the whole team. But I think so. So it's obviously pretty well in Pedro de la Rosa's favor. That was sort of known because he is the experienced guy right. that they brought in to sort of help the team grow. And, and you know, there's... but you, you, I mean, I have to say this. I mean, he's, he's the experienced guy, but he's also the old guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he's almost as old as you almost <laughs> plus 10 years. Right. But I mean, and he's, he was in, he was, you know, subbed in the McLaren when he was a McLaren test driver. And that isn't the usual, Oh, the guy needs to get used to the car and everything else. I mean, this is a guy that knew the McLaren yep. better than anybody. And when he subbed in the McLaren, he was as competitive. When he gets jumped in other cars, he's not as competitive because he, he's, he's good. It was kind of like Alex Vertz, right? Great, great test driver. People had a lot of respect for him. But when uh, he got that chance with Williams, I'm pretty sure it was a few years ago, mm-hmm. he just wasn't as competitive. And Pedro's there. And Pedro has handedly out, um, outperformed Karth Kahn. So we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to hate on Karth Kane too much here. But my point is, is that... Well, as the teammates stack up, Pedro de la Rosa is the stronger teammate for HRT. Right. And so we have all these metrics we're looking at. And I guess I should explain, if you're interested in looking at all these metrics yourself, you can do so. If you go to funwithcars.net and you click on stats, um, we have this beautiful graph that shows you everything that we're uh, about to spit out here. But we're going to highlight some of the things we think are the most interesting. And with HRT, um, Pedro De La Rosa clearly has the advantage. And this is both objectively based on our little numbers and subjectively based on what we've seen. Fair enough. Yeah. Next up, the grid also two, uh, or sorry, with no points on the grid at all, uh, Marusha Cosworth. Yes. Um, it's worth noting that this year so far, um, we haven't had any driver subs. 
right? There's only Correct. two drivers on the board for each team. You know? yes. And usually there's something happens, right? One way or another, uh, you know, you get a, you get a test driver in there that has to fill in for a race. I mean, one time we had Timo Glock, uh, former Rusha, not, uh, not qualified cause he was sick, but it was too late in the, you know, and, and not race, I guess. Right. Um, but it was too late to that they couldn't get a, a test driver in there or whatever. So it's sort of a rare case. And usually we've got sort of, you know, a third guy of, Oh yeah, well, the one time that, you know, the test driver stepped in and whatever, but we actually don't have that. So it's actually all pretty, pretty clean numbers, but Timo Glock versus Charles Peak. This one, again, Timo Glock is the experienced guy, um, um, off older as well. Charles Peak uh, being being newer and, uh, you know, just sort of trying to uh, trying to get in there and uh, make something, make a name for himself and his career or whatever. But um, I think overall the average qualifying position I think is a, is a you know, fairly good metric to look at because, you know, we know where the cars are. These guys are uh, just above the HRTs. Um, but not by much. So Timo Glock averages uh, in 20.8, you know, if that were a spot, in t- you know, 20.8 being his qualifying position. Charles Peak um, at 21.3. So sort of, uh, you know, a grid spot uh, or half a grid spot behind on average. But uh, it's just over the course of the 11 races, um, just qualifying lower. Um, overall, 8.5 seconds behind Timo Glock right. in, and that, uh, in qualifying. And that average qualifying position actually doesn't even tell the whole story because um, that 20.8 is includes the qualifying he missed. Huh. So, <laughs> so it's still better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's not a whole lot else to say. I mean, overall, uh, it's, you know, what is it, 26, uh, Charles Peak would be 26 positions behind Timo Glock with, you know, every one and two that he is behind right, over the right. course of all the races. It's really, uh, not, again, a pretty imbalanced one there um, and not, not a terribly interesting story. But not nearly as imbalanced as Narain versus Pedro, it has to be said. Um, qualifying wins, uh, uh, Timo Glock has out-qualified um, Charles Peak three more times than... Um, uh, then Peak has outqualified uh, Timo, and he's his race wins. He's he's done better in the race three more times than Charles Peak has outqualified him. And I have to actually say that qualifying position delta might be screwy because um, there's one in our graph where he's listed qualifying zero, and I bet I, I think this qualifying delta is actually probably a lot tighter in real world terms. There right. might be so something a little silly with so the So it's closer, there. but again, it's, but still, it's, it's still it's it's clear advantage to Timo. That part is real. And we're still in back market territory, and uh, we're still kind of you know there's a lot of other external factors keeping those guys from doing well. Um, right. Caterham, though, um, you know, formerly Lotus Green Lotus, as it were, um, uh, are the you know those are going to be the guy. They're the top of these sort of these this three newest newest teams. And the closest to scoring points, but still haven't quite had a point. You know, they've had some. They've been knocking on the door a couple of times, where through some pit strategy and stuff, it looked like, oh, maybe they're actually going to get a point. But no, not quite. Um, but we've got Heikki Kovalainen and yep. Petrov. Um, here, of course, uh, Kovalainen has a lot more experience, and you know, remember, moved here from McLaren of all teams, um, and uh, you, you'd think would uh, would be just you know dominating, um, but it's not not so bad for uh, for Petrov, I would say. Agreed. Uh, it's it's not too far off, but subjectively, I would still say that uh, Hecky has done quite well here, right? I mean, he's the stronger of the two drivers, pretty clearly. Yes. Um, however, yeah, if you look at, uh, I mean, the big the big metric I think is Hecky has won uh, beat in Vitali in qualifying five more times than. Uh, then uh, Vitaly is beaten uh, Hecky. And 
the race wins a lot tighter. Hecky Kovalainen has only um, outraced uh, Vitaly once more than Vitaly's outraced him. But, you know, with especially back down there, there's failures, there's accidents, there's all kinds of things. So that's a lot more that's a lot more of just circumstance of what happened one race to another. But, you know, five times out qualifying uh, Vitaly, you know, that's that's pretty serious. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, that's we're still no points to look at. And that's what, what ultimately kind of matters um, is at the end of the day for these teams is, well, who's gotten more points for the team? And there's a couple, right. couple of pretty big differences. Uh, so the next actually up um, sort of. Uh, not necessarily fall from glory from last year, but STR. Yeah. Scuderia Toro Rosso did a lot better in some previous years than they have so far this year. This year, they've only got six points on the board. Yeah. Compared wow. to the, the next team up, which has 46 points. I mean, that's they're, they're above the, sort of the bottom three, but only just. And uh, it's, it's you know, sort of a shame because, uh, you know, they were a couple positions higher in last year's championship. And, uh, you know, this is a big gamble, right? Switching out to... Uh, you know, two known drivers for two brand new guys. So this one's a little bit more of a fair fight. Two brand new, but Daniel Ricciardo does have that half season at HRT to fall back on. So right. he is not as new to Formula One as uh, jean eric Verne. Sure. So uh, again, uh, it's a lot tighter in some respects, especially when it comes to uh, race win and that kind of stuff. But uh, Daniel Ricciardo has out qualified. Uh, Jean-Éric Verne pretty handedly. Seven times more than Verne is out-qualified, Dan. Out of 11 races, that's a pretty big number. Yeah, and there have been some random moments of, of brilliance throughout the season and, uh, and of course, the, the usual failures and whatnot. But, uh, uh, yeah, overall, um, you know, if you look at, I guess, the uh, average qualifying position, right, Ricardo at 13.6, um, which is into Q2, you know, and, and Vern at 17.4, which is sort of on the bubble or, or you know, out in Q1. Right. So uh, that, which sort of has been the story overall. It's uh, every once in a while, you know, the STR isn't, uh, is sometimes the odd man out in Q1 and has been a couple of times over the course of the year. So, um, you know, that one is, with a gap like that, uh, pretty pretty definitely Ricardo um, is uh, has the advantage there, I guess is, uh, is what you could say. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 not entirely fair. We have to give the rookies a little bit of a chance, um, but you know this is a much closer. Uh, you know, Fern is not doing himself any favors, especially a team like Red Bull, where they they have shown with their actions they are not willing, they are not afraid to drop these guys and move on to somebody new. So you'd think you know Heidfeld would be a good match for this team, right? Because he's <laughs> he's only fast when he doesn't have the contract. So you'd think somebody like he could be like really really good in right, STR, but right. you know, hey, who knows? And he of course hasn't. He's I haven't ruled out a return to F one, which of course like, he wouldn't. Uh, right? every, everyone else right. has. I also yeah. haven't. If someone you know, but absolutely. Anyway. Uh, next up is an eighth spot, Force India, which as I mentioned, forty six points. Um, is again, it they, that many? They well, you say so, um, but uh, you know. Force India did quite a bit better last year as well. I mean, they were sort of, you know, knocking on the door of the, the top uh, the top group, but now they're, you know, sort of uh, just above STR in terms of teams with points at all. But, yeah, 46 points on the grid. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we should say the, uh, the point uh, delta, um, you know, if we look at so we've got, you know, Paul DeResta and Nico Hulkenberg, of course, um, this one's a much tougher call. And this and it's what, thirteen points for uh for Duresta and sixteen for Hulkenberg. Am I looking at that correctly? Uh no. Oh. I have twenty seven and nineteen. Oh well that makes more sense. Oh there you go. 
points are. And you've got so many acronyms on this. I don't. I, I get confused by your spreadsheets. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to make it more clear. It makes sense to me. But there, so qualifying position is eleven point five. Uh, for for Nico Hulkenberg and 11.7 for Paul DeResta. So that's, I mean, sort that's of near as makes no difference. Statistically even, yep. Right. Um, and uh, so overall, um, Paul DeResta has outqualified Nico one more time than, right. than the other way around. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a six to five type of thing. That's so, right. you know, that's, you know, you know, Hulkenberg could tie that up next round very easily, you right. know. Race wins, same same story, um, you know. And Paul DeResta is higher in the drivers' championship. He's thirteenth with uh, those twenty-seven points compared to Hulkenberg, sixteenth uh, with nineteen points. But you know, again, we're not we're not talking about huge huge differences here. And uh, you know, one thing I will say for Paul DeResta though is you know he he's done what he's done, despite the fact uh, the ninth round of the championship. You know, he was. He was dead last. He was, or, well, 23rd, almost dead last. But then again, in the first round, um, you know, Nico Hulkenberg was 22nd. So, you know, both of them kind of had equal shares of bad luck. I mean, this one. So Nico on qualifying pace alone, if we try to look at raw pace, has on average done just a slight bit better. Correct. Um, but I've really got to say DeResta being a stronger performer, having more points and, uh, you know, I mean, having more points and like and out racing one more time. Right. It's like the qualifying is one part of it, but what matters really is what it comes down to in the race. And uh, so I've, I've, you know, I think uh, so objectively we've got to uh, say Paul DeResta being the stronger teammate. But ultimately, it's still, you know, Force India's got you know budget issues with they've got the the money coming from Sahara now. But you know, Vijay Malia, we haven't seen nearly so much of him as we used to. Yeah. And there's been a lot of things of his airlines going bankrupt, and he's not paying bills on for fuel on different things and. It's sort of like a little tenuous, I think, or a lot tenuous, I guess, yeah. as far as exactly how Force India, the team, fits into the rest of the Malia Empire and who's in charge of what there. So, um, you know, none of that is helped by, I mean, it's maybe some cause and some effect, both, right, uh, of the team not doing well if there's a little bit unsure of money and sponsors and funding and whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it would be it would be much better for everything if, uh, if they were able to, you know, get a couple of, you know, even get a podium or something to uh, really help just shed some positive light on the, on the brand and help, you know, Sahara or other, other investors or whatever, just kind of keep things going there. But right. Uh, well, obviously they're going to need money to keep developing. Nico Hulkenberg has had a top five finish. Paul DeResta has had a top six finish and uh, you know, they have shown signs of strength, but you're right. I mean, not consistent. Um, and, and I agree with you ultimately that you know got to give Paul DeResta the nod. He's been able to get it done in the race where the points count, where the money is earned, that kind of thing. However, you'd look at this and you'd say you've got two solid drivers here. Yeah. I mean, Paul Paul DeResta showed very well um, last year against um, um, the other guy, completely forgetting his name. Uh, Adrian Sutil. Sutil. Yeah. And and Nico Hulkenberg has jumped in against Paul DeResta, who did very well against Sutil. And is tit for tat, you know, essentially, sure. right? So, uh, I th- I think they've got a good, strong driver lineup. I think Nico uh, showed reasonably well when he was at Williams as a rookie, and uh, now that he's got his chance to get the race seat back, I think he's shown that he deserves it. So, uh, pretty pretty solid lineup there. And in the next team, Williams Renault, we've got your boy 
Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> yes. And, of course, Bruno Senna. He's my boy because I hate him less than everybody else. I mean. Or something. So what we have to say, uh, team position-wise, last year, Williams was one above the back markers. You know, they right. were fourth he was from the not, They were ninth in the Drivers' Championship. And and now they've they've moved up. Uh, now they're seventh. And, you know, they're... With a race win. Right. And, you know, it's it's a pretty big margin up to uh, to the guys ahead of them. But it is, you know... That is a mo- probably most improved team as of this point in the season because the Williams in the last couple of years had been just dreadful. And, you know, Ruben's not having a great time of it in the whole thing. So, driver-wise, though. Um, and this is an interesting one. Right. So we've you look got, at the numbers. This is an interesting one. Pastor, one race win. I mean, and... And, and a brilliant win. And, uh, yeah. Brilliant um, win. Which, obviously, is a lot of points right right there. Uh, 25 points right there, and uh, average qualifying position 11.2 to Bruno Senna's 13.8. So uh, over, you know, two and a half, you know, three positions uh, on average higher qualifying. Which, right, which, which has translated to 29 positions ahead of Bruno Senna over the first 11 rounds. That's a pretty big number. Yeah, but in the race where it matters, obviously Maldonado has a win, and that matters a lot. But I was th- I was expecting Bruno would be way behind on points, and he's not. He's not. It's, it's 29, really something. 29 points, which means Pastor had 25 for his win and only four other points for the season. Right. And Bruno Senna has sort of little by little racked up 24 points uh, over, the, over the course of the season and uh, has outraced, in terms of just where he finished, uh, Pastor three times more than the other way around. So it's... It's an interesting one, right? Because we haven't heard a lot of good stuff about Bruno Senna, but right. he's sort of been quietly back there. And he's, I mean, just like you say, he's he's done. If you look at each individual race, he's he's done better than Pastor three more times, and Pastor's done better than him. I mean, there's been a lot of retirements for Maldonado. He's only completed 83 percent of the laps, so it's almost sort of four out of five laps, um, you know, completed. Right. Um, compared to 91 percent for Senna. In nine out of ten, if you right. want to, you know, put it that way, and. The other thing is, uh, if if you have if you take out the race win, you know, then all of a sudden Bruno would have more points and everything else. I mean, so Maldonado has that race win that he can lean on, and that's her his that's his he earned it. But at the same time, you know, it's coupled with a nineteenth place finish, a twenty third place finish, a twenty fourth place finish. You know, it's it's. There's a lot of crashes in there. Yeah, um, and, and so, you know, and then a 16th. You know, he's he's been the uh, he's been the he's been the the big controversy of the season. He's been fast in a lot of places. I loved watching Maldonado qualifying Canada, for example. Um, his race win was brilliant, and frankly. Uh, Bruno has been pretty lackluster in that car, especially in qualifying. Yeah. It isn't even. It isn't just that Maldonado's really switched on. It's been you know, Bruno's been you know, oftentimes out in Q two when Maldonado makes it to Q three, yeah. or you know, just hanging around in fourteenth, fifteenth place when Maldonado's. Maybe getting in people's way and being dangerous, but he's in third and fourth and, yeah. you know, pushing. So, yeah, so I think in terms of excitement to watch and kind of like risky race driver moves, uh, you've got to say Maldonado has been more exciting. Um, but in terms of, I guess, it's, it's sort of this mix, right? So uh, Senna is better able to capitalize on a crappy grid position, but more likely to put himself in that crappy grid position. Right. Well, which, which, which driver would you rather employ? You're the team owner. That's a good way for us to look at it. You're a team owner. Which one would you rather employ? You can only have one. I get a lot of money from Maldonado. 
Although I get a lot of name recognition and money as well from Senna. Yeah, so decent chunk of money from Senna. Um, so, I mean, yeah, come Brazil, I imagine there's going to be f- quite a few Senna fans uh, you know, being excited about... Uh... I'll give you an example of how many Senna fans there are. My wife doesn't follow Formula One, other than asking me every once in a while, oh, what happened in the race? Sure. Um, she has not seen the movie Senna, even though I've said several times, hey, let's watch that movie. Right. Sitting on my Netflix instant queue, hanging out like... Tonight's the night. Let's do it. No, I don't feel like it. Yeah. We are um, currently in the process of uh, of procreating, potentially. Like right this minute? No. Is she down there? No. No, she's not. uh, That I'm I'm not good in front of a crowd. (laughs) Okay. But anyway. In a general sense. In a general sense. um, She she has said that if we have a girl, she wants to name it Senna. Huh. And I said, okay. <laughs> so how about that? Wow. That, that is the reach of uh, that name. That's, that's big. So, um, however, uh, I personally, I, I'm looking at this and I would say, man, if I can just get Pastor to calm down a little bit, he's a fast guy. He's delivered me a win. He's, he's my guy. Yeah. I, 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 would, I, would, I would keep Maldonado not set up. Yeah, I it's but it, can you get him calmed down though is sort of the thing and you know and I, you what know, is, I don't know is, I don't it's like because there's there's a couple things or sometimes it's just a mistake but sometimes it's like is he even sort of looking at the situation the right way and thinking about points and thinking about being smart and thinking maybe I can make this work and maybe you can but probably you can't and he goes for it and it doesn't work you know it's sort of so it, it's not just you know everybody makes mistakes that that happens some more than others but, but it's, it's sort of like is, yeah. is he does he have the right mindset or does he have you know it sounds like it seems like he has the skills. Uh, in general, in terms of car control, to like get a car around a track really quickly, and obviously, in you know, qualifying position has has shown that. But uh, and certainly the will, right? But is it you know can can that be controlled and focused in the right, right. way? And and I'm not sure. And Senna is maybe taking a little more of a traditional path of yeah, he's not come out and been brilliant out of the gate or whatever, but. Um, still helping to get, you know, he's not that far behind on points, even without the win. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, you know, more consistent results and, uh, you know, could could build up to be bigger over time and, and you know, cause less, uh, you know, bad publicity for the team if there is such a thing and, and sort of ill will among the paddock and all that. So um, I guess I would go the other way and I would, I would stick with Senna and uh, sort of see that trajectory go forward rather than kind of this random squiggly line of results for Pastor where every once in a while, you know, it's amazing, but uh, has lots of lots so, of failures and lots of other issues. I was thinking about that and I was kind of leaning that way, but then I thought well, there are two things that... Um, and the dude's got a race win. You can't, you can't deny that. Well, but here, here's, here's my two arguments against Senna. Because my argument for Senna would be, well, he's saving me a lot of money because he's going to the parts bin a lot less often. Right? That, that's true. But... Mononato is bringing so much money to the table, you right. know. And we don't know what the numbers are. But we know Senna's it's, bringing a lot of money to the table too, though. I mean, it's not like I doubt it. I mean, it can't be as much. Not, as... No, it doesn't have the whole force of an entire country of Venezuela right. behind exactly. him. That's, that's true. And, and oil money, right? Well, you know. It, but so that's the that's the one negate. And the second thing I think, you know, it's not necessarily easy to tame Maldonado, but I think ultimately it's easier to just tell a really fast driver. I think it's easier to teach a really fast driver to cool it a little bit here and there than it is to teach someone that isn't as quick to go quicker. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the thing is can Senna go faster? I think consistently. so. Consistently. I think so. 
Next team up the list is Sauber Ferrari, who, Ooh. of course, have not had a race win uh, this year. Close. Or, uh, but, you know, we've got yeah, Checo Perez uh, as, uh, as one of our boys and, uh, of course, Kamui Kobayashi. So, um, qualifying-wise, Kamui with averaging 11.5 and, um, and Sergio with uh, 13.7, so yeah. a couple of grid spots behind on average. On average. Um, but in race performances and, and overall, who's faster by how much, how often they're, it's, it's you know, one and one, really. I mean, it's right. very, very close. Overall qualifying delta is that Checo Perez is ahead by a tenth, you know, 15 hundredths of a second. It's very tight. So they're practically qualifying the car the same way. Uh, Checo Perez has out-raced out, out Kamui one more time uh, than, uh, than the other way around. So this one, this one's an interesting one. I mean, overall, and I guess what... You know, I mean, for this one, I, I'm going to kind of go to your method and say, you know, Perez has brought in more points. 47 points to 33. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I think what you've got, too, is if you look at it, you know, if you look at Perez, you know, he's got he's got the second place uh, in the second round, which was that brilliant drive. and he's But he's also, he's been on the podium a second time. He was third place round seven, um, which was, uh, that was not Monaco. Was that? Britain? I don't remember round seven. Jim and I have terrible memories. <laughs> Canada. Canada. He was on the podium again in Canada. Um, sixth place in uh, Germany, round 10. And uh, so, you know, pretty... So it's like overall... Some he's good, had, strong yeah, performances. He's had some bad performances. He's, he's got some bad qualifying, which has brought up his average. But completed more laps than Kamui. And uh, I, think, I think we can agree that, you know... Especially being as new to the sport as he is, and uh, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that he had to steal that ride from you, but at least he's he's taken it and <laughs> done something true. with it, and uh, and it kind of is what it is. The but all that said, you got to look at Kamui's numbers, and Sergio gets a lot more attention. But you look at the numbers, you're like, ah, Kamui's done some good stuff, and when Kamui's switched on, he's good. Yeah, he's got random moments of brilliance as well, but it just it's like his random moments don't come as often. Yeah, and it's and it's like maybe to get from tenth to ninth or something, but it's not you know hasn't ended him up on the podium with all the way the strategy right. is managing the tires. Like there's definitely been some good passes and some sort of cool ballsy maneuvers and all that. But I think uh, yeah, overall, uh, you know, I gotta say uh, Checo Perez and being uh, right, I he, guess he has it, not gone out on the podium, but um, uh, he was uh, fourth. He was fourth place in Germany, right? Which is not on the podium. It's not on the podium, but I'm saying he's had some <laughs> strong finishes. He's been fourth, fourth in round ten. He was fifth in round five. I mean, some good, strong. He qualified third um, in round three. I, I mean, mean, he's uh, had some strong performances, and he's a demon on the brakes. Right, and you know we don't. Have, there's no American driver uh, in F1. There's no Canadian driver right now with no Villeneuve's in the sport and whatever. So uh, you know, Checo Perez is our, I guess our, our next local hometown guy. Yeah, I guess that's true. And if that helps us... Uh, Certainly help, the same continent. If it helps uh, Mexico get a Grand Prix, which is on our time zone and it's more local to us than a lot of other ones, whatever. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff, especially if he ends up moving to Ferrari and, or, or who knows what. Yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of... I'm rooting for our boy there. Right. And uh, Checo Perez. And, you know, you, you met him from forever ago and raced against him and beat him and all that. There's, yep. there's a lot of cool history there. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, we agree that uh, if we had to pick one, we would pick uh, Sergio. But... I guess that's another team where you can say, oh, I'd be pretty happy with both drivers. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next up on the list, with probably not the uh, position they wanted to be in this year, but uh, at fifth spot, 
uh, is Mercedes. Yes. 106 points. So now we're getting into some pretty serious points earned and all that. Yes. Um, and this is sort of the, the, I mean, I would say sort of the top five, but really it's the top four. And Mercedes is just kind of in between the top guys and the rest. I mean, and even, I just not terribly, you know, people thought, okay, because, you know, Nico Rosberg got the win this year. Yep. His first one in like what, a pole, five or six pole years, pole or whatever it was in China. Just it yeah. all worked. The temperatures and the tires, the whole thing just really worked brilliantly. For and Rosberg. we're like, okay, Mercedes is back, but then just and that was after a twelfth and thirteenth. Yeah. To be fair, like <laughs> so, would Mercedes be in fifth if Michael Schumacher didn't have the worst luck in the world? I mean, you look at you look at the graph for Schumacher. It's bad. Well, laps fin- completed. Race finishes. Race finishes. Twentieth. 24th, 24th, 22nd, 24th. I mean, just... It's it's not brilliant. He's completed 71% of the laps. Compared that, to Rosberg's 100%. Right. I mean, it's, pretty much all of them. So, right, with better... I, I mean, is it is it luck? Is there something, you know, some... Is, you know, one of Rosberg's guys working on uh, Schumacher's car and just messing with stuff? I mean, it's like, how, you know, you, you can say it's luck, but then you sort of see a pattern, and I, I don't know if... Uh, you know, one of one of Schumacher's friends is in there, and he's some, some really old guy trying to tighten parts on the car, and they're not working. Or I don't know what's going on. There. You know, it's like it, does, it seems like it's hard to explain that just with luck. But right, um, it's been a lot of failures. But that's where you know we can look at the qualifying and all that and, and break it down. So um, Rosberg has, on average, qualified at seven point sixth spot, and uh, compared to Mike Schumacher's eight point one, so half a grid spot away. But right. with the advantage to Rosberg, it yes. must be said, um, and. Uh, you know that's, but overall, that's because there's been I think more um, poor performances for Schumacher, including you know one seventeenth spot getting out in Q one and, and yeah. I guess a twenty second spot qualifying as well. Well, and this is the first time I've seen it too, where you know we're getting into the data a little bit. If you add up the times of Schumacher versus the times of Rosberg in qualifying, Schumacher actually wins that that competition by a second, yeah. by a second. But you know. Rosberg's been slow in the right places. And I think what we're seeing is um, probably some situations where uh, maybe Q3 was slower than uh, Q3 was faster than Q2 or something like that. Maybe these wet and drying conditions, that kind of stuff. Maybe that's where we've seen that number because, yeah, Rosberg tends to sneak into the higher Q, the qualifying sessions more often than Michael. Right. But points earned is 29 for Schumacher and 77 for Nico Rosberg. And I think that's a pretty much difference. the yeah. end of the conversation. Yes. Because it's that's a very, very big deal. And it's, I guess, it's a, so maybe it's somebody somebody working on Michael's car that's messing this all up and it's just been really bad. But it's, I mean, I, I'm seriously, I, I, Schumacher has had miserable, miserable luck this year. You make your own luck to a certain extent, but he's not made good luck. I mean, it is. Right. Something's gone terribly wrong. Something's gone terribly wrong. And let's not, I mean, you know, Schumacher was on the podium for the first time in five years or something like that. And he that. had that sort of that pole at Monaco, sort of. Um, yes, that's true. Absolutely. Free penalty and whatever. The sixth I mean, place, yeah. There were some moments, but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, in terms of just actually getting it done and, and the results, you know, Rosberg has outraced Schumacher three more times uh, than the other way around. So it's that, you know. And quite literally, and just the points are you know, a if, huge disparity. It put our rel- put ourselves uh, in uh, Ross Braun's shoes. I mean, you know, Rosberg is with the team for the next five years. You know, and right now Schumacher has no contract. Schumacher may not be alive that long. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that is a more interesting question, though, right? Because Schumacher is 
He's Michael Schumacher, right? Which is a whole other sort of brand into itself. And yeah, so, how there's many people, cachet there. There's how many people no are doubt about it. Excited about watching Mercedes go to race because of Nico Rosberg compared to Schumacher and everything that he's done over the years. It's that's, uh, I guess, maybe a, a bit of a tougher call. But well, know, and when we were actually. We, it's funny. This came up at work just yesterday. Um, we were talking about like the uh, active active world champions and all this kind of stuff. And there's you know 14 championships among the six active um world champions half of those being half of those are schumachers right you know because alonzo has two uh vettel has two right so there's another four and then button raikkonen and hamilton each have one yeah Schumacher has seven. <laughs> I mean, just amazing. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's a different era. You know, the way the cars. It's two were. different eras. I yeah, mean, it's like really. it was ninety four, ninety five, and then two thousand through two thousand four. Right. So it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely an impressive number. But there's, you know, behind that number, there's a lot of other. But it's a hugely impressive number because right. that is the big Kahuna. You know what I mean? Like right. the championship is is supposed to be the all collective everything right right but of course that wasn't mercedes right that was ferrari and so now he's mercedes and, and the, the whole the whole deal is is different which would which would if anything be lotus in renault form so Ooh. you know well played yeah so whatever um that's you know Michael Schumacher if 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 his luck turns around for the second half of the season may end up out qualifying Nico Rosberg or outperforming in terms of the championship and that would be great because of you know sort of no ill will to the guy or whatever but as it sits now, Schumacher give it to is 12th in the championship, and Nico is 6th, Yeah, which yeah. is kind of the deal. I uh, have Schumacher as 11th. That's interesting. You have him as, you have him as 12th? Yeah. Um, it's, well, he's got the same number of points as Pastor Maldonado, both ah, 29, okay. but of course Maldonado's okay, got so, the win. Yeah, okay, so my little fun spreadsheet thing doesn't doesn't do the it's prejudice against maldonado i think is what it is uh all right next up is ferrari Ooh, now we're getting fun now we're getting fun although teammate comparison wise I, I no we need to discuss the one this. After this is loaded okay let me play devil's advocate here masa's advocate okay <laughs> all right i know it looks bad but qualifying time between uh fernando and felipe's only 3.9 seconds uh, cumulatively over 11 rounds, right? Um, That's actually one of the worst values. Not the point. Um, <clears throat> okay. He's he's a he's a he's a nice guy. He's really nice. He may be. Uh, he, he's he's very nice to people, and so, people like him. Some people. Uh, so, out of 11 rounds, Alonso <laughs> has outqualified Massa 11 times. Yes. He has outraced Massa 11 times. He's got more fastest slaps. Alonso has more qualified on average five points higher and six, Better race six places higher. Yes. Um, and points earned are 164 to 25. This is the most stark teammate comparison on the, on the grid this year. My favorite number? Yours is a very good one. Mine? Um, Drivers World Championship, Alonso first, Felipe fourteenth. Right, which is bottom half. I mean, we talk about luck and everything with Schumacher, and I mean, this you know the the graphs of where Alonso qualifies and finishes doesn't even really overlap with where Massa right. qualifies and finishes. Right. He's just it's like a class higher. Yeah. in every single race, Absolutely. there's been no 
failure. There, I mean, there's, there's, it's just Alonzo, like we've said, is not always the fastest guy, but he's always there and he's always getting points. And I think that's the, the definition of racing smart and, you know, doing the best to, to get points and to maximize everything. And uh, it just has not gone wrong uh, for Alonzo. He's, he's been able to, to do that. And so when you talk about, you know, Schumacher and you make your own luck and whatever, it's like, is that luck? Is that that Alonzo has been really, really lucky or is he just really, really good and the team is really working with him and, you know, whatever does go wrong, because I'm sure things go wrong, but they're able to make that work, right. um, able to work around it as best they can and, and not, you know, uh, not have too many failures and whatever. So it's it's been just a really, really good record. And I mean, the point, the fact that Alonzo is leading the championship is really effectively all that you need <clears throat> to say. I mean, the fact he's True. been able to do this better than everybody else in on Period. the grid. Right. <laughs> That's it. Uh, uh, this number is crazy. If you add up all the race positions, like how many positions behind Alonzo, yeah. Massa was behind Alonzo. Fernando Alonzo has finished eighty-five positions better. That's a lot. Eighty-five. I mean, that's that's ten. That's a, ten a race, right. almost in in the same car, effectively. I mean, it's it's that's bad. amazing. Yeah. So Alonzo. So. so. If you were team owner <laughs> and you could only pick one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and like I said, so Ferrari is uh, fourth in the championship, but this is where the, this is where they're really close. I mean, there's actually only four points between second, third, and fourth. Yes. Right now, Ferrari is at the back end of that because they've really only got the one strong driver uh, in terms of getting points, but that's Alonso. He's leading the driver's championship. So it's 189 points for Ferrari. Right in front of them is Lotus, uh, formerly Renault, but Reichen and Lotus, black and gold Lotus, as you, as it will, um, with 192 points, only three points ahead, and then McLaren is only one point ahead of them. So let's talk Lotus for a second. Um, this it, is another very big improvement from last year. Yes. Obviously, um, last year they were behind Mercedes and uh, and whatnot. And, and this and one's Ferrari. interesting. This one's quite interesting. So uh, qualifying wise, Romain uh, on average qualifies uh, in 6.7th position, if yes. you will. And Raikkonen at eight point four, so Romain ahead of there. But and Romain Rom- is outqualified Raikkonen five more times than Raikkonen is outqualified Romain. But pretty, pretty impressive, especially early on. Grosjean had lots of failures, lots of early race retirements. He's only completed seven out of ten laps this year. Raikkonen has done a hundred percent. So, yep. uh, race wise, Raikkonen has outraced Gro- Grosjean seven times out of eleven races. Yeah, which matters a whole lot more than qualifying. It absolutely it has does. To be said. And you know, if you look look, let's look more recently uh, at uh, Raikkonen's performance. He he finished uh, second in round eight. He finished, I believe, fifth in round nine. He finished third in round ten. He finished second again in round eleven. Um, in that same period of time, Romain was twentieth, sixth, eighteenth, and then third or fourth, third or fourth. I can't tell from the graph. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's you've really got to say Raikkonen. But, of course, he's the world champion that they're bringing back. And, you know, lots of so experience. It's cool that, he's out of, yeah. that he's been able to do this well out of retirement. Uh, not everyone has been able to do that. Very <laughs> true. Very true. Um, but, yeah. That the, third year really gets you. The reliability from, uh, from Grosjean has not been good. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, Romain, I, to his credit, has put 76 points on the board. I mean, that's, you know... Compared right. to Ma- Massa's twenty-five, for example, and, and we and a good chunk of Romain's. I, I remember he was. Uh, it was uh, Valencia. He was running really high, and then he had an engine failure. Remember, right? The alternator deal. Yeah, yeah, the alternator deal. I mean, he's and uh, there's a couple of lap one, like the first two rounds. 
he couldn't get more than a couple laps in. Right. I mean, that was not his. Those things were not entirely his fault. Right. So he's. It is certainly not Romain's fault. But at the same time, and it's not a complete shutout like it, like with Ferrari. I mean, there have been you know four times where Grosjean has has outraced Raikkonen. So yes. it happens. Um, but yeah, so seventy six points on the board is is not bad, and that's obviously helped the Lotus to get ahead of uh, of a, a bunch of other teams in the championship, and, and you know Mercedes and Ferrari for you know chiefly. Um, so, but compared to one hundred and sixteen points for Raikkonen, and uh, it's you know you really got to say you know it's not a really fair comparison going with you know gr- you know with a sort of rookie versus world champion here, but world champion out of retirement and whatever. But um, in this case, yeah, I mean you've really. It's, it's, I guess so. The, the key here is not sort of who's better, but it's sort of how far back is the other guy yeah. in a couple of these teams. And uh, in this case, uh, you know, there it's uh, Kimi is fifth in championship. Grosjean is seventh. You know, and there's you know a, a race win, uh, a race win in some, uh, in terms of points between them. So um, you know that could turn around, but um, it really feels to me like Kimi's going to have a win this year. Like it's just the right that's going to come together in these last nine rounds. And uh, maybe it'll be at the U.S. Grand Prix when, uh, when we're there and we'll cheer him on. It'll be cool. Who knows? Who but, knows? Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, still cool. And uh, that's, that's our boy. Yeah, agreed. And, but Romain coming back, doing the thing for the team, I, I don't think Lotus needs to be upset with Romain's performance. I think as a team they can be a bit disappointed with everything that's happened, but I don't think they need to be upset with Romain. I think he's driven well for them. Yeah. Considering kind of becoming a, you know, not a rookie, but rookie-ish in a lot of ways and, and really doing well. Yeah. Uh, McLaren, second spot in the championship. Only yes. one championship point ahead of uh, of Red Bull, or of, of Lotus. And obviously it's Jensen and Lewis. And this is one of the more contentious uh, kind of pairings here. Or not pairings, but in, uh, com- competitions, right? And, um, who's better? Yeah. Who do you want to have? Right. But and, Jensen hasn't had a brilliant string of races no. for a little while, so the numbers look a little more Lewis, uh, averaging 5.3 to 7.3, and it, so Lewis on average two positions higher in qualifying. Yep. Uh, both of them with the same uh, laps completed, uh, so no major you know push one way or the other in terms of retirements. Um, you know, remember last year, uh, you know, we had just a couple string of retirements from Lewis that just really messed him up in the championship. Yeah, they were you pretty know, critical times when they came, yeah. Early early race retirements, sort of no chance to whatever, which is just disappointing. But The Monza incident, do you remember that? Yeah. Um, so over the course of the season, um, in terms of the qualifying time delta, uh, Lewis Hamilton is only two-tenth, is actually two-tenths behind Jensen Button. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, but... You know, again, this is where it's sort of it's flip flop. So, so Hamilton has outqualified Button more often, but you know, time wise, it's been basically right on time, right on the same. You know? Right. Basically, it's it's not that this is a, a huge a huge delta. It's just that overall, Lewis is just a little bit higher. Um, in some cases, a lot higher. Yeah, and I think as much as anything, it's more the fact that uh, you know Lewis had one really bad round of qualifying. Which was when his uh, it was Monaco when his time was um, when he was disqualified. Right, so twenty fourth and, and messed them all up. Yeah. yeah. So so I mean uh, Hamilton has outraced Jensen three more times, um, and uh, I mean you know it, and has more points. I mean one hundred and seventeen points for fourth in the championship yeah. for Lewis compared to seventy six points for seventh for Jensen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't be. I don't, but I wouldn't be disappointed with Button right now either. I mean, they're they're that's two solid Button, performances. Button had a slump, and he seems to be more recently beginning to pull himself out of it. 
and you know obviously Lewis uh, went into summer break with a win, so uh, he's not he's not doing too badly. But Jensen had his win early on, and uh, seems to be getting some traction back. And this is what's what's interesting about this one isn't so much this year because this year has definitely halfway through pretty clearly gone Lewis's way. And Lewis is a phenomenally quick driver. We all know that. But if you look at this whole experience, when Jensen went to McLaren in 2010, a lot of people thought, oh, you've bit off more than you can chew. And you're going to get chewed up just like all the other teammates that uh, Lewis Hamilton has had and so on and so forth. Didn't happen. 2010, he held his own. 2011, he went and he outperformed Lewis. Full stop. Right, right. So he was yeah vying for the championship at the right. end. That was yeah. And it's clear just in the behavior of the team and what they're doing. I mean, even the McLaren animation with tuned and the whole thing is about Lewis and Jensen. I mean, clearly McLaren is still very happy with both their drivers. Right. Clearly, they still think both bring a lot to the table, and I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. Right. They are only behind Red Bull. Yes. With. 246 points, though. I mean, they're like 50 points ahead of everyone else, um, you know, of the sort of the pack of three, McLaren, Lotus, and Ferrari. But Red Bull has, you know, kept kept their thing going. I mean, not quite as dominantly as, as before because they're not leading the Drivers' Championship right now. Right. But they are second and third in the Drivers' Championship with actually, you know, Weber slightly ahead of Vettel. Which means we're done, right? That one's easy. Weber's better driver, <laughs> right? I mean, clear as day. So this this is where the course because this is a really close driver pairing, um, where on average uh, Vettel has qualified two two positions higher than Weber. Right. Um, one point one point oh no two point two actually. But um, and so uh, you know and then but Vettel has uh, has outraced Weber only once, um, but Weber is ahead in the championship. Uh, only by two points, but that's two points, and he's ahead. So right. it's uh, you know Weber with two wins, Vettel with one, um, and uh, you know, but Vettel has three fastest laps. So I think what we can certainly say, um, as we know from last year as well, I mean Vettel in terms of getting a car around a racetrack ridiculously fast um, with with whatever car he's got underneath him, which is usually a brilliant one. I think Vettel owns that, but in the combination of the real world with you know. Uh, there, you know, alternator failure as it was in Valencia yeah. for Vettel. Uh, that you know was enough to to mess him up a little bit, or quite a bit, really, when it's this close in terms of points. Um, and uh, and and then just you know race strategy and and everything else. Um, you know, they're really quite close. And again, not something you can be disappointed with either of them. And Red Bull's not. I mean, they've re-upped both of them for next year, and it's all. It's all good. So well, isn't Red uh, Vettel's like through 2015 or something? Yeah, Vettel's like that, right? still so on his thing from. But yeah, Mark's this like grit and gritty guy, right? Like that just like whenever Red Bull say, it's like okay, we'll give you one more year, but then you're going to be too old and we're going to drop you. And then Weber just does too damn well, and they're like, we can't give up on Weber. He's doing too well, and they're like mad at him. You know, it's like why can't you just suck so we can drop you? But he's just he's. He's good and he's fast he's, and he's plugging and he refuses to give up and everyone thought well 2010 was his one chance at the world championship here it is 2012 he's second he's not well he's he's failing he's falling farther behind Alonso but he's still the closest to anyone and he's yeah and he's in a, the championship ahead and of his teammate yeah you know. and he's ahead of his teammate absolutely so if only just you know there's there's many ways to the world championship and you know it's not always you know, 
being the one that closes your eyes before qualifying and dreams of pole position and then it happens, you right. know. Right. I mean, you don't win the championship with pole positions either. It's just it's right. it's you know, it's points is all that matters, and he's got more. And we've been saying this for a long time. I mean, is is Vettel faster than Weber? Yeah, probably. But Weber's Weber's quite good, and we like Weber. We we like seeing him do well, and we I would love to see him win the championship. That yeah, that would be cool. And that's, you know, with uh, or uh, although I you know Alonso winning the championship as well, especially in in the fashion that he's done it, um, you know, that he's performed so far. Um, would also be very cool. I mean, I guess the only thing that may be like, a little bit boring is if we had another dominant Vettel season where he just won every time and, yeah. or was pole every time and it was just his to his to, to lose. Um, it has been much more engaging this year. And, yeah, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, the McLarens are, 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 you know, sort of coming back on song and uh, and, and working together and the, uh, uh, you know, Vettel hasn't been dominating, but he's he's up there obviously in the mix and, uh, and doing well. It's uh, It's, you know. Good whole setup, and uh, certainly bodes well for the rest of the year. Um, partly, what's what's cool about the U.S. race is it's second to last, so we end in Brazil at Interlagos as as usual, as it has been for a while. Yes, but the penultimate round. Um, but just before that, which you know, if if things are keep going like they are now, um, you know, every race is crucial in the championship, really. I guess of until something gets mathematically locked out. But I think the odds of it being uh, of that being the case are pretty low. So I think it should be. Uh, you know, it's still a good, exciting race, which hopefully is good for ticket sales right. and all that. It's not one of these cases where. And it's by like, the time, by the time you get to the second to last round, your options like it. Every race is crucial, but by the second to last round, it's if it, you know it's make or break. You know, like right. So which is uh, goodness. It's yeah. So I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited about seeing how this how this comes down to the end of it. And uh, yeah, so just as a quick rundown, so Alonso has 164 points for Ferrari. Weber 124. I mean, that's a pretty big jump because you know with with Hamilton's win. I mean, that's that's great for Alonso because Hamilton's farther back in, in the in the points. So for Alonso to just basically, if he's ahead of Weber, he's happy. And uh, so it's 164 for Alonso, 124 for Weber, uh, two points back to Vettel with 122. Uh, then you back uh, five points back to Hamilton at 116 or 117. Uh, behind him by one point is Kimi Raikkonen, and then that's that's sort of the Top five. I mean, I really have to say Jensen back with 76 points. It's, you know, he's You're, not. That's probably, you've just named off the re- realistic contenders for the championship right there. Because you, you drop back pretty seriously to Nico, Jensen, Romain, Checo Perez, and, and on down the list. But, um, yeah, so Alonzo, Weber, Vettel, Hamilton, Raikkonen are, you know, Alonzo definitely out front right now, but not not unsurmountably so, uh, yep. if that's even a word. And, um you know, and one one uh, interesting thing about that, you've only got um, one uh, one team that has both its drivers in the hunt, then, right? With Red Bull, yeah, because yeah, but just unfortunately, Jensen's points not coming together, and right. then, uh, and Jensen could theoretically turn around, but you know, we're talking about nearly a hundred points behind Fernando right now. Yeah, that's four race wins. That's right. big. And as we know, Alonso, if there's somebody who's going to get points out of whatever situation they exactly. can possibly do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, Kimi Raikkonen probably doesn't have that huge of a chance either. However, you know, you could say that, but you could also say he's eight points behind Weber. Right. So if, yeah. you, say, if you say Raikkonen doesn't have a good chance, then no one does. Yeah. And... I don't think you would say that. I don't think you would say that. Yeah, so it's it's been I mean it, it's it's been fun uh just keeping everything guessing, but it's not it's not quite so random as it used to be. I mean there was, 
you know, with you mean at the beginning of the season? Yeah, with, yeah. with Rosberg and Maldonado and these weird sort of flashes in the pan. Even Checo Perez, to a lesser extent, of like kind of, um, you know, why is he there? Where are the Red Bulls in this? Though? What happened to whatever, right. you know? What happened to Lewis? All these other things. So it's it's not quite so random. I think you know the teams are all figuring things but out. But it's pretty not well. super predictable either. But it's not right. Uh, so I don't even remember what we predicted for. Uh, I do, and I have it written down oh, right here. Yeah. So, you sir. You, sir, think that uh, Jensen Button's going to come to Spa and tear it up. Oh, he is, too. Pole and the win. That's a good idea. I think Kimi Raikkonen is going to come to Spa and tear it up. So I'm giving a win to Lotus at Spa. Yeah, you're wrong, but that's which nice would prediction. be Which would be huge. And uh, uh, Stat model thinks Hamilton. Hamilton. Mr. So no one, none of us, none, Mr. Of, none of the himself. three are saying Alonzo's going to do it, but who knows? But I think all three of us would agree that he'll be in the top five. Right. Right? I mean, like, he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll be up there. Right. And he's almost in a position, and, and, of course, he would never say this publicly, and he would never, and he would never want his uh, competition to think this, but he's almost in a position where he could start coasting and protecting. Yeah. You know, he's protecting his position. That's almost the best thing to do to win the championship. And if there's any driver out there that truly has a capability to uh, – hold himself back and reserve himself to make sure that he's just pounding in the points, it would be Alonzo. He would be the guy that can, you know, have that yeah, determination. So. Know when to push and when not to, right, to just right. really be smart, which sort of seems like what he does, what he does constantly. Um, also want to mention as far as uh, outside of the driver's championship, but um, David Coulthard seems to have, like, one of the cooler jobs going right now. Right, so he's obviously a commentator for F1 in England uh, with BBC. I don't know if it's with Sky as well or just BBC or whatever. But you know, Red Bull has been doing lots and lots of videos and street demos and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and Coulthard's been been driving some, you know, everything from you saw probably saw that you know a golfer hits a golf ball and he goes and catches it in a Mercedes convertible, you know, driving down the thing and accelerating as quickly as the golf ball and catching it in there to coming to the British or the uh, New York uh, Port Imperial Street Circuit driving through the Lincoln Tunnel at 190 miles an hour in the Red Bull car, doing these, you know, test runs in, uh, you know, so both New Jersey and then they did the thing in Texas a while ago, driving off the road and whatever. So right. that, that dude, you know, has, has really found the right spot um, where, you know, if you look at somebody like Rubens Barrichello, who's having like a terrible time in the IndyCar series, um, not really his fault so much as just, you know, what he's used to doing and uh, what, the, you know, the team and the money he's got around him and all right, those kind of things. Right. But, um Kind of rules to be David Coulthard. Um, you know, I just want to do a quick little mention of that. Uh, the, you know, probably a lot of people have seen the Red Bull car playing the U.S. national anthem, which is yeah, cool. Yeah. And uh, and then they so far they've only released like teaser videos of their lap of the Port Imperial Street Circuit in an F1 car, uh, which I don't know if that's going to be anywhere near as cool as our lap. Most likely of not. the Port Imperial Street Circuit in a Jetta, which I mean, dude, GLI. Yeah, a four and a half cylinder GLI. Right? Yes. So kill me. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's. It's it's pretty cool. It's sort of you know I, you know I came across some videos. You know one of these uh, you know we start three cars at different times on the racetrack and they all yeah, end up together yeah, yeah. and it's always the F one car obviously that wins. But right, right. you know it's like Coulthard's been doing this stuff for like twenty years. You know it's right. just he's, he's been the like random column in for we've got some th- something to film or something cool and it's like yeah he had his racing career and number championships or whatever. But it's sort of like that that's a cool job man. That guy has fun with cars. Coulthard, Ooh. Coulthard would enjoy Ooh, our website, nice, I nice, think. nice, nice. Yeah, and uh, I, although as a former driver myself, I will say I am certain that uh, David would happily give all that up and 
take a full-time race seat again. You know, I, I you know, it's well, just... he's still racing in DTM, isn't he? So he's still, I mean, it's not F1, but it's sort of... But the, I, I mean, you, you, know. you never really, I mean, you understand that it's the right time to retire and blah, blah, blah. And Dave understands all that. David, like him and I are close friends. I'm using his first name. Mr. Coolthard. You know, D. Um, but all that stuff is great. And it's definitely a great way to continue to be in the sport and be involved. But I'm certain he would rather be Michael Schumacher right now. Well, fair enough. I think it's I think it's sort of a cool uh, cool combination of things. Okay, you're wrong. With. All right, now well, do I have to do I have to be more blunt about it? I mean, it? I guess he still does all the travel because he's got to go to all the different races to cover them live. So he don't. It's not quite the like, but it's not it's certainly a lower stress. I would think being on TV than yeah, definitely. You know, doing definitely. all that and and I guess you know his age and I'm I'm sure he's making plenty of money doing all these things. You know, it's probably uh, kind of a well. Cool... Doesn't he, he owns a hotel in Monaco, oh, Monaco or Monte Carlo or something like that? I mean, he's I don't think he's hurting for cash. Right. <laughs> So uh, to be able to, yeah, but you know, <laughs> if you have lots of money, what's more fun to do than like, oh, I'm the guy that drives his F1 car around, oh, and these I, random hey, demos, and it's and certainly not cool a bad, stuff. it's not a bad plan B. I'll I mean, <laughs> I mean, Martin Brundle has sort of rediscovered that he likes sports car racing, and you know, he hadn't done any real racing in a long time. He did the thing in Le Mans with his son, and now he's back at uh, Silverstone this weekend. Oh shit! I, I the, thought he said he was like, oh, that's just a one-time deal. Yeah, I race and then with he was my like, kids. wait, that was fun. And so I, I don't I don't get driving because Nigel Mansell did that. He's like, oh, I just like golf now. And he's like, no, wait, actually, you're way better at racing cars. Right. I mean, Sterling yeah. Moss like just retired from racing, and he's like ninety. So he's like uh, he, in his eighties, absolutely. So yeah. it's like you know, he's like, I'm finally done. It's like, well, you had a good run, dude. I mean, that, <laughs> wow. But right. someone, you know, someone, yeah, less than seventy years old, you know, whatever. It's like I guess. So anyway, it's cool that that Martin Brodel. I mean, having that experience with your son must be great. And uh, you know, still being competitive enough or having the right connections to get into a into a car that's that's fun to take part in endurance racing and all that. It's a different challenge from Grand Prix stuff for sure, but I think that's cool. And uh, I agree. You know, so and yeah. Anyway, that's um, old guys can still do fun things. I guess is the point. You know, there's 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 hope for uh, there's hope for me yet. There's hope for you, former <laughs> drivers yet. <laughs> oh boy. So um, obviously, uh, fun with cars. Is the is the new world order, and it's awesome, and you know it's really nothing to be sad about. It's all stuff to be excited about. The, exactly, and the, then that's really what we want to emphasize, is that you know we're we're moving forward on this thing, and we just hope that we can continue to deliver something that's more and more entertainment for more and more people. And it partly um, under the Grand Prix show, as as you've you listened to here, but also in other areas. Oh, cool videos. And we things should like that. we should announce that on the show actually. Fun with cars. That's our brand. Like that's like something you and I are both super excited about. However, yeah, the podcast that we do for F1 Racing News, currently called the Grand Prix Show, that name could potentially be changed. That is not right. set in stone. As that's they just say. sort of one one area. So it's the main area right now, yes. certainly, and probably will always be the main thing in terms of what we spend our time for with. the foreseeable future. But yeah, and and so. For, you know, from the ashes of the F1 show um, comes whatever, the Grand right. Prix show. So if you have a brilliant idea for what that ought to be called, yes. then visit funwithcars.net, note the new web address, yes. and you can comment right on the, uh, the, the show page there, and uh, you know, we'll see what, what people come up with if there's something better than, you know, I, I guess, to be clear, it can't say F1 or <laughs> Formula One right. in the name, otherwise right. we're right back where we started. Right, right, right. We need to, we need to be careful there. Um, and uh, we are going to go ahead and, with all due respect, rule out two guys in a V10. 
Two guys, maybe, but two Yanks and a V10. Oh, is that what it was? Was, yeah. was one suggestion. Two Yanks and a V10, yeah. We appreciate the input. Um, <laughs> we are taking a slightly different route at this time. Um, but no, yes. that, so that has a couple of implications as well. So uh, the F1 show t-shirts are, of course, collector's items as they're sort of a black market item now. Yes, and there's definitely a fixed quantity of them that probably will not be increased. Right. And uh, they are... Believe it or not, despite the fact that they are now collector's items on sale. Right. So as part of the, uh, you know, getting in while you can on the F1 show heritage. I mean, we had five years plus at this thing. That's F1 true. F1 show is not quite a flash in the pan. I mean, this, you know, we started this. Uh, long, 2007. Long before F1 was trademarked uh, and we had any way of knowing that this would be an issue. I mean, I guess we kind of thought it might be in, the, in, in time and time happened and here we are. Yep, yep. Uh, so it's now amazing it's, that whole time thing. Now it's changed over. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of history as, as the F1 show and uh, that, that doesn't just disappear. So um, I'm, you know, I'm still going to maybe stick it to the man and wear my F1 show shirt uh, to, to the Austin race and I like see it. if I get kicked out or not. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of fun there. But, yeah, if you want to uh, get on that while well, supplies last because uh, in a matter of time, the F1 show uh, will, will cease to really be a thing um, anymore in lieu of the new Grand Prix Awesome Sauce. I like awesome. your, like, you made, like, with your hands, you made, like, an imploding black holey thing. Yeah, kind of. you're the only one who gets the advantage of that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah, and I will say we are already out of small sizes, but uh, medium through double XL, we still have some. But, yeah, visit funwithcars.net. You can click on the uh, F1 show t-shirt on the right side. And, uh, and, and this isn't token 5% off. We're talking, like, real savings here. Right. This is a, you know, just over half price or whatever. So let's uh, get those get those while you can. And they're collectible and awesome sauce now. And, uh, you know, feedback at fun with – I'm so – it's so hard <laughs> to not say the right thing. Um, feedback at funwithcars.net. All the old stuff works for now, but let's let's try to all get yeah. used to the new web address. Right, and, exactly. Uh, and, and we will be back in a week, am I correct? That is right. So we've got Spa coming up. Always a favorite. And uh, – you know, I can't imagine it being a lame race. So. I think, I think. Oh my God, we should have waffles for dinner. Ooh, yes, I yes, like, right. I like that. Done. Or yeah, the the uh, that that fried chicken thing with the Leuven waffle and it's got the sauce in there. Oh, the Belgians. Oh, I like it. Anyway, yes. um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a podcast from Spa. That's gonna be cool. And then uh, yeah, we kind of get kicked back into the season here pretty soon. So uh, you'll hear from us again soon. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through all the, uh, the sort of the legal nonsense and all that. And uh, as always, feel free to uh, visit funwithcars.net. You can comment on the shows and everything right there. Um, you can find links to our Facebook page, Twitter account, all that kind of stuff right there. And uh, we'll see you again in a week. Until then, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. And remember, always have fun with cars. Did you see what I did there? I did you, you see did that? There. That was I so lovely. That was awesome. That was beautiful. Oh, I'm so good.